0: Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. So this is hopefully going to be uh, the second part of our, our sort of story of how we got into property. Mm. Um, and I think uh, in the first part, Stuart, you were uh, saying that you you, you chose to, to get into property with the desire to replace your your day job and um, so you could uh, you have more flexibility in your time and still have uh, a, a suitable income and thinking, thinking about that I'm I'm curious how much planning how much financial forecasting and things did you <laughs> do um, around the time you were making those decisions so you, you, you said that you'd started with a, a simple buy to let but then had to change your strategy so ha- had you had you worked out what it would take to, to meet your goals if you carried on with the buy-to-let strategy, the, the simple single lets? When you say the word planning,
1: I just have to chuckle because I'm, I'm not the best in a planner in the world. I'm, a, I'm more of a doer and then, and then look back. But of course, yeah, when it came to doing this and, and having a family, I had to do an element of planning. So yeah, there was a monthly revenue goal, which I sort of planned out, and I look back on it now and just realize how naive it was. But so, of course, with uh, four kids and you know a mortgage, you, you're going to need to do some planning. So, I kind of planned into my leaving a full time employment the selling of our residential property. I'm very fortunate to have a wife that was very understanding of that. So, so that gave me, you know, a pot of money as well to work with and plan with. So, short answer to your question is, did a little bit of planning, looking back, not enough, you know, absolutely not enough, and massively overestimating a how quickly I could get to the revenue goals and b the the amount of effort it would take to to reach those goals.
0: So, did, did you did your planning get as far as having a sort of a number of Single lets you would need to to cover your your income goals. And in, did did you know you needed five of them, or ten of them, or hundred of them, or whatever? Or, or had you not really gone to that level? Well, once I'd selected,
1: you know, the student accommodation market as the route forward, then everything I did was based on room rates.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I knew that. To get close to where I wanted to get to, I would need X number of rooms, and my my initial target was always was 100 rooms. Mm-hmm. And within 18 months, we got to 37. You know, I was expecting to get to 100 rooms. You know, in less than a year, which I look back on now and just think, you know, that's crazy.
0: Well, what, what do you think was so crazy about it? What what is it that has just taken so much longer than you expected?
1: Well, what was crazy about it? So I. I, I I wouldn't say it's impossible. I'm sure you know, it can be done, but I think crazy to think you can. Well, for me, go from a standing start to a hundred rooms, as in purchasing a hundred rooms. So there's lots of different strategies you can use, and you know we've mentioned these on previous episodes, and mm. you know rent to rent, for example, and that's something avenue I'm looking at now to hit those room goals. But what made that impossible was because my model at the time, and and is largely still my model, is. Is a standard model. So you buy the property, you put an investor, you put um, deposit down, pay for everything else, you refurb the house, and then you let the rooms. So that was the first piece of sort of naivety, thinking, not realising just how much funding I would need. And you know, I did pretty well on the funding stage, to be honest, with investors. You know, got you know uh, close to two. Well, actually, you know, two fifty, three hundred thousand when I needed mm-hmm. it. But the second element of my naivety was just how much money would stay in the property. And we've touched on this in the past. And even if you're buying really well, and I'm not saying I was buying really well, some of them probably didn't buy as well as I could have, Mm -hmm. but a couple of them I think I did and got revalued really well. But there was always money left on the table. We've touched on it before. So, you know, those two things meant that actually the money couldn't go as far as it needed to and therefore we couldn't get the rooms. And then the final piece of that uh, jigsaw was the amount of costs coming out of the business, mm-hmm. which is actually why I kind of put the, the growth of the business on hold to sort that out. Mm-hmm. So I would say that I'm running on average around a 30% margin, and that just means that of total of the total revenue, the gross revenue I receive from the rent roll, I, I, I net at about 30% uh, EBITDA, so before tax and everything else, mm-hmm. which isn't as high as I thought it was going to be. And in, on some properties it's lower than that, so it's not great. So that were my learnings. Okay,
0: so I'm I'm surprised slightly that that they're so finance focused. Uh, I would have thought that there there might have been some in there relating to sort of the, the time and effort it takes to actually go through the purchasing process and um and indeed the, the investor finding process and, and things like that. Especially since during this time you, you hadn't given up your day job, you were You're in a a transitional state. Um, Did did you not find that too much trouble, or well, I think it was part of that. I guess
1: I guess (laughs) I'd probably probably partly forgotten them, but I I, I think I expected those. You know, I expected the time, and and the truth is, I had sold my residential property and was purchasing. Think had purchased a property and was about to. I was in the purchasing cycle of the next one when I gave the job up. So it was kind of it was very much a. Burn the ships moment for me, where it was like, and I'm I'm the sort of person where I needed that. I needed the fire under my backside to make me really do what I needed to do. If I could go back, I'd probably do the same thing again, but I'd probably just be a little bit more meticulous about the funding I had and and working out because even you know even today the the property business doesn't fully cover what it needs to cover, and that's just my business learning as opposed to my property learning, which you know from our discussions i think is very different to how you've approached it because you've you've probably done it a lot more in a much more measured and thought out way
0: i i don't think it's that much more measured or thought out more just slower <laughs> <laughs> well that too <laughs> um so um why don't we um try and fill in the gaps a bit so your your property journey sort of main property journey started about three years ago, is that right? 2016, yeah. Okay, so, um, oh, a bit more than three years. Um, so can you sort of walk us through those few years? What, what did, did you buy all of your rooms within the first few months, or has it been gradual, and, and how have they, they built up over time?
1: Yeah, so as mentioned on the last episode, we, we had our first sort of rental property from and. Seven. Well, my wife owned that from 2003, but we took over the management of that in 2007. So we were landlords from two, 2007. I think I. it was probably around 2015, actually, when I started the process, process of the purchases of the little flat. And then I bought the five-bed house in 2016. And that's when I kind of thought, OK, this is going to be the route forward. So I would have handed in my notice then. And actually, my boss at the time didn't let me go. So every time we hit the three months it's like can you just give me another three months can you? <laughs> so yeah so actually I think I originally handed in my notice in 2015 and I wasn't let go until 2016 summer of 2016 then then I handed in my notice and I think we were bu- I was buying the next five bed flat which was going to turn into student accommodation so then I would say so if we had five rooms I probably purchased enough property for 22 rooms within the next sort of year to 16 months. So Mm -hmm. I just went really hard at it, thinking that 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 was going to just solve the problem. But for all of the reasons mentioned before, because I hadn't really sat down and looked at the actual costs. I mean, part of me just thought, it's fine. I'll buy the properties. I'll fill the rooms. It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Which, you know... I want to slap myself in the face for because that's not how any business works. It's certainly not how property business works. And, and thank God for that because it means you have to do it properly. Um, so, the, yeah, so I probably purchased around 20 odd rooms in that time. And in fact, with, you know, with, with another JV partner, you know, overall we got to 37 rooms by, you know, back end of 2018. So, mm-hmm. In that time, probably would have bought about 30, enough properties for thirty-two rooms. So it was a two-bed in there. I bought a thirteen-bed, which obviously is going to accelerate things. <laughs> yeah, that, that's cheating, I think, really. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when my modus operandi was as many rooms as possible, and without going into it here. But the models, you know, the, the the models changed down in 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 that area. So big houses aren't as appealing to to the market I was going for in students. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that thirteen-bed would have added to it. So. Yeah, so rapidly, rapidly grew, and the you know the gross rent roll, if you look at it, is is very healthy. It's what goes under that, and you know the amount of costs. Of lots happened in the last year or so.
0: Yeah, so I think if my mental time tracking is right, that means you haven't bought anything. I um, haven't bought any student rooms anyway. To add to that, for about a year.
1: Where are we? Yeah, that would be about right. Probably, probably a little bit more than that, but pretty much, yeah. That's right.
0: Okay. So it was what was that a conscious decision to, to stop buying? Yeah.
1: So it's exactly as I said it before was that there was a lot of money being left in properties that I wasn't expecting. And also with investors, those pesky investors always want their money and they always want interest. <laughs> and that's that put additional cost pressure on the business. So I actively said, right, I'm just going to, you know, Use, use, use a long word. You know, have a moratorium on, you know, purchasing. Let's just get this business sorted, mm. and that's what we've done for the last sort of twelve months. Just really working on costs, which is all the you know the basic stuff. You know, making sure you know, I've had to negotiate down agency fees more than once mm. to get those down to a reasonable level. You know, utility bills, still working on those, and you know occupancy levels, making sure. You know, because when you've got that many rooms and you've got quite a few rooms in different houses, there are naturally going to be houses that won't be 100%. So, for example, one of my properties is a seven bed. And that's got, got a group of six students in it. It's going to be very hard to get someone that's just going to want to go into a room that's already got six friends in it. Yeah, definitely. So some of
0: those... Even more than, than general HMOs. And I think yeah. that's that's bad enough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and that's it. Yeah, you know, but I, I will take the hit on that because... To be honest, you know, six out of seven is pretty good on that size property for me. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'd want 100%. But in a student property, the upside is that when students sign into those properties, they're signing 50-week terms. So I don't run the risk of – I've only got a void period of two weeks, for example, on those six yeah. beds. Yeah. So, yeah, so obviously so we work on occupancy. But, the, you know, that's that's what I've been sorting out, you know, as you know from from other meetings we have. You know, that's what I've been focused on. Mm. Um, yeah in the do last you, year
0: do you um just mentioned sort of the, the 50-week contract and occupancy levels do you ha- or have you had um issues at all with the students dropping out sort of mid-year and and um, going back on those contracts or?
1: i've only had it once and so oh. in that time which i think is pretty good
0: yeah definitely
1: and it wasn't that they were engaged on a contract. It was just that they left at the end of a term without paying for the final term, mm-hmm. which wasn't an insignificant amount of money, I seem to remember. So it was over the £1,500 mark, which, relatively speaking, it's not huge amounts, but A, there's a principle to it, which is you don't live somewhere and expect to live there for free. I don't think most, yeah. of, the most of the time, unless that's, unless that's the agreement. It's
0: seemingly not everyone agrees, but yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and... Yeah, so this this student just left and unfortunately they were guaranteed by someone that wasn't a resident of this country. So, you know, I spoke with the agent about it who were okay, but they'd, they'd kind of done what they thought was, was the right thing, you know, sent the letters out and they just kind of, essentially they just handed it back to me and just said, look, this is, this is what it is if you want to chase this yeah. down in the court, fill your boots, but it's probably going to cost you more than you're going to get back, so... Yeah, rightly or wrongly, I, cu- I took matters into my own hands and reached out to the student via a well-known social media platform. <laughs> and to his credit, he responded. You know, and I sent him an email, and and, I, and I'd like to think you know I, I positioned myself fairly and just said, look, this is how it's been, and followed up on those emails. And long story short, we came to an agreement where he paid he paid half of it, which I mm. saw as a win.
0: I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah.
1: So because from. I'll be honest at, this, at that stage once a few months had elapsed and you know we know life continues the world keeps turning I just I was continuing out of principle if I'm being completely honest mm. it was just a principle of the matter which was look you have lived in this place you have used the facilities we did provide you with the things that we provide you with in terms of you know TV in the room and broadband and so on so it's kind of like you know you have used the services yeah and and I, I know this might sound strange but the real truth is cuz I know I was a young guy and I was and I was thinking about that when I was communicating with him, thinking, you know, this could be, in the future, one of my children. As in, you know, how would I want them to be treated? And I thought, mm-hmm. I think there's a lesson here. And and for me, the lesson to him was, and, and I tried to, and I, and I treated him with as, as much respect as you could, and and... He, he proved himself to be a, a you know a very respectful person by how he communicated back. one of these. He just said, "Look, I don't have any money. I've just left. Stu- I've just left university, etc., yeah. etc." You know, my point back to him was, "Look, that's fine, but you know, you would have you, you had funding for the um for the accommodation." Yeah. So you know, play that out. I've been a student myself, not at university, but I was a student, and I know what I did with some of those grant checks, <laughs> and they didn't go on accommodation. But in the end, I always paid my bills. And that's kind of how I ended up with this talent, which I just said, you know, appreciate you in a tricky situation. However, you know, I think it's only right and proper that you fund the payment. And, you know, my next course of action would be to take you to court. And, you know, I expressed to them that if that happened, things like CCJs. And I I didn't, uh, yes, there was an element of, you know, probably a fear factor, but it was... Kind of just saying, look, that's the next stage. And I was really clear. and I just said, look, I have children, and I wouldn't want to put them through this situation. So let's come to an agreement. I don't want to go down that road. I said I genuinely don't want to go down that road, mm. and I'm sure you don't. And yeah, we came out
0: to a to an agreement. Yeah, having been been through the uh, the court process a couple of times for about uh, uh, well, with, with ten issues, and uh, then yeah, it's best avoided if you can. It's yeah. just, just long and full of hassle, apart from anything else. Well, no one
1: wants to do it because who's winning the most is the mm. you know the le- the legal professionals, and that's that's their profession. But yeah, we don't we don't want to hemorrhage money in those ways if we can help it. or time, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the time and the stress is, mm. I think, the, the bigger issue. Certainly on the small claims sort of route, um, the, the costs are not not very high. But, yeah. um, but,
1: yeah. and for me, the principle was hopefully the learning passed down was you can't just walk away from these things and expect it just to disappear. Mm. And, and, and I'm sure he's taken that and moved on.
0: Yeah. Okay. um, Let's hope so. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that that brings us pretty much up to date for you, isn't it? You're, you've now got uh, 37 student rooms. um, Plus how many single lets? Three. Uh, and you're you've got one flip in progress at the moment. One flip in progress and another purchase in progress at the moment. Mm, okay, cool. I so, didn't
1: realise that until you ask those questions. <laughs> I never th- I never think about it like this because I always think, oh, there's not much going on. <laughs> and then you <laughs> ask, you say that, and I'm like, oh, actually, we've got a
0: few things going on. Yeah, yeah. You sound quite busy to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to uh, make make my story uh, sound very boring in comparison. <laughs>
1: So, Mr. Pitha, we, we heard the start of your story, so that's a great segue into yours. So, so we heard about um, your, I guess, early insight into just getting lodgers to pay for your mortgage, yep. which you did, and, and purchased a, another property at that time. So, yeah. What happened next?
0: So, my first um, property purchase was my own house, which you say I had lodgers in, and that was uh, around 2002. I think a couple of years later, um, I remortgaged that, bought my second one. That was a, a dedicated single let from the start, um, and then there were, I had quite a big gap um, before I did anything else. And during that time, I was um, just focused a lot more on um, my my career and um, and I think also in this in this bit, I'm not I'm not certain on the dates having not looked them up in advance because we do lots of preparation for these um (laughs) but uh but i think also that's that gap is also where i started family um so inevitably that distracts one a bit um but somewhere um some years later i think in in the region of 2010 ish um i did um get another property and this one um was with the help of my parents. So my my parents have been uh, landlords for for quite a few years. Um, and rather than uh, me putting up the deposit for this one, um, they put up the deposit as a as a gift. Um, so so I kind of cheated a bit on this one. But that was uh, that was that's my third um, single let property. Um, and then fast forwarding a few more years. So this was. 2017, I think, um, was my next proper purchase. So this was, again, a deposit funded by a bit of savings and a bit of remortgaging. And uh, this is my first one uh, purchased around this area, so in, in Red Hill. Um, this one needed a, a bit of a, a refurb, but uh, uh, but despite needing a bit of a refurb, it actually came with tenants. So this was a, the first time I'd, I'd bought a, a property with with tenants, so it was a, a new experience, but um, it went very smoothly. And the, 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 the well, I say very smoothly. Actually, the the purchase process um, went relatively smoothly, um, but the communications with those existing tenants, I think I could have done better, Andy. The, the selling agent could have done better, uh, in so much as when I did finally get to talk to them, uh, they seemed not to really be sure whether they were going to be able to stay or whether they had to, to move out or, or or what was going to happen around that um so I did um did reassure them that they're very welcome to stay and things and, and they did for a little while but I think they'd already sort of set things in motion in their minds at least that they were, were probably not settled yeah I think so that kind of thing so so they wrote they only stayed for I don't know a few months certainly less than six months after uh, after I, I purchased it um, but once they'd moved out, that was made the refurb much easier. So it, it didn't need anything major. I moved things around a bit in the kitchen, um, got all the, the the wiring checked, which needed some changes. Um, but apart from that, it was really just a, a decoration throughout. I mean, it, a full redecoration, but um, but it wasn't anything sort of more fundamental than that. I didn't didn't change any bathrooms or anything like that. Um, there was painting carpets, that sort of thing there were some leaks in um, conservatory roof and things like that that needed, needed dealing with um, but, uh, but yeah, other, other than that that was uh, not not too much effort or too much hassle and once that was uh, all done, um, it, it re relatively easily, uh, it has been through uh, a couple of sets of tenants I think since then um, so this but the, was around 2010, did you say? No, th- this one was 2017. Oh, 2017, so, right? Okay, so, yeah. But, so, so this is the one in, in Red Hills, so right. the most recent one.
1: And the one that your parents was with?
0: No, not the one. My parents. That added. was 2010ish. So that was yeah. 2010ish, and that um, that one's based in Eastbourne. Right. Um, and uh, again, my parents managed that one for me, so I have, have far less um, in the way of active knowledge of of that one and what, what happens there. I just find out when uh, when the tenants are. are Coming or going, and yeah. um, and uh, when uh, when there are issues with the rent or, or other expenses and bits and pieces, rather than being hands on so much, yeah. But the uh, but the one in Redhill was my my next chance to be sort of hands on with with the property. Um, but the the current tenants have been there over a year, maybe 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 just coming up to a year. Um, so, uh, so that's so that's all looking good and settled and. Uh, as we've mentioned elsewhere i'm i'm trying to sort out funds to uh, to buy something else now yeah exciting um, it is um if, uh, if slightly challenging at times
1: <laughs> yeah property um,
0: indeed there's uh, there's uh, another property that i own with my my brother and we should, we should mention before um that uh, we're hoping to to try and sell um and we have had an an off market offer on that um but it is quite a lot lower than we were hoping for. So Mm. we're, we're currently, uh, having those discussions as to what, how we want to handle that and what we want to do with that.
1: And where did that come
0: from? I'm not sure how much I want to divulge just in case (laughs) anyone's listening, but, um, uh, uh, so someone else who, um, who we've known previously, um, uh, and had thought might be interested in in purchasing this particular property. Um, they have another property um close by. Uh, so uh, so yeah, we we approached them and said we're, we're thinking of selling. Um, we know you've sort of spoken about possibly being interested in the past. Uh, would you actually probably seriously be interested? Mm. Um, and they, they've come back and said, um, yes, probably would. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at a, a much lower lower offer than we were we were hoping. Yeah. I won't ask you any more
1: on that subject. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, as well, I uh, as I desperately make sign language. <laughs> stop, stop talking.
1: Uh, yeah, no, just interested because I think when, when someone says off market, it's always interesting to know how these things happen. But it's generally
0: yeah, I I agree. Yeah, this this is pre existing. Contacts, we've we've known yeah. them for, for years, yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's Just not to make
1: that very clear for any estate agent listening. This were pre existing <laughs> relationships; it already <laughs> happened.
0: Yes, great. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it wasn't anyone sort of um, putting leaflets around or or any of the, the other approaches you sometimes hear about for people to find uh, find off market properties. You know, this mm. was, uh, an existing relationship. Good. So I think that's probably the. The end of uh, end of my story as well, and uh, looking at the clock, probably the end of this episode as well. Seems about right. Fantastic. So, uh, where can people find the show notes, Stuart? Thebusinessofproperty.com